0: that's my go-to for espresso. Basically, I, I, I do about 18 and a half, 19 grams, and it's a almost a one-for-one one shot, and some, sometimes closer to two-for-one, but it's beautiful. It's got the flecking. It's got the deep red-brown crema. I just love it, and I'm, I'm the kind of person who, if I've got, I, I like a white espresso cup, and if they're, if it's messy on the top, I'll like wipe it off a little bit so I can see the contrast better, and then I'll drink it.
1: i thomas and this is coffee 101 brought to you by humble coffee coffee 101 is your one stop shop for everything you coffee curious listener out there want to know about coffee season two takes us on coffee's journey from shelf to sip if you're looking to learn more about coffee from seed to shelf jump back to season one Everything in Coffee 101 in season 1 and 2 is chronological. So, you can start at the beginning and just build your coffee knowledge up to now. Speaking of coffee, we're always wondering what does everybody do when they make their coffee in the morning? Do they make it in a pot for everybody or just full enough that they can have their one cup? Do they use an AeroPress? Do they use a siphon? Like, what does everybody do? And so, I have Katie in the studio with me today, and we're going to be talking to Chris Deferio of Keys to the Shop, and I'm excited. How about you, Katie? Oh, yeah. So, we're talking specifically to the one and only Chris Deferio of Keys mm-hmm. to the Shop, who has a podcast, uh, does a lot of um, coffee shop, like what I'd call behind-the-bar education, Yeah, and talking to owners, and also has a consulting business on the side. Yeah, that's Um, cool. Yeah, so a lot of people in the coffee industry know him um, really well, and uh, he attends Coffee Fest. uh, So if anybody's ever been, they've probably met him. And uh, so I decided, I was like, well, why don't, Why don't the two of us get on a show and just, like, give everybody a little window into, like, the real goings-on of how we make our coffee, how Kenneth makes his coffee, and how Chris makes his coffee in the morning. Like, what our go-tos are, what we like, what we don't like, what we do on the road, stuff like that. Yeah, because, like, everyone's um, morning and daytime or nighttime coffee routine is definitely different. Yeah. So... That'll be interesting to see, like, how y'alls differ and stuff. So, what do you think about for you? Like, what do you, do you have a go-to for coffee in the morning, or is it not coffee at all? And do you do something else? It really just depends. If I'm wanting to make coffee in the morning, then I'll do a pour-over. Okay. So, do you know, do you do more like a Hario V60 or a Kalita Wave? Or what do you do? I usually use the Hario V60. Yep. Yep, I knew it. I was like, she goes for that little bit of extra extraction. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay, well listen, let's jump into the show with Chris Deferio of Keys to the Shop. Chris Deferio, how are you? I'm great, how are you? Man, I am good. So, I get to to have one of the big dogs in coffee on the coffee one one podcast today
0: oh man i (laughs) i I appreciate that
1: (laughs) (laughs) well um you know i've been listening to keys to the shop for um i don't know how many years but i know that you have a whole heck of a lot of uh episodes out there and as anybody in the coffee industry um I think Keys to the Shop is a go-to um, podcast um, to kind of learn a little bit. And if people are into or need some consulting, you're the guy.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. It's it's one of those things that you uh, you wake up one day and you've been doing it for a couple of decades, and yeah. you know there's there's always more to learn, as you you well know. You know, especially when you do a podcast, you you tap into so many. Uh, resources and insights, it's like, it's what makes this business so exciting.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's good, and uh, it's fun, and and like you said, there's always something to learn and some surprises around the corner, and things are always changing. That's right. Well, today, what I wanted to do, and we're kind of in Coffee 101, we're segueing out of the very specific things that make a difference in the cup of coffee, like How you change how water temperature changes your cup and how um, the right filter changes it, and uh, moving into the actual brewing devices. So, like your AeroPress and your French press, and all this other stuff. And so, I wanted to use this episode to kind of give people uh and your secrets as far as like what we actually brew on what our go-tos are um at home and and on the road and and whatnot so i'm gonna you know let you have the floor and start off and uh i'll just ask you like what are your top three brewing methods at home
0: yeah, I'm excited about this because I think it's an oh, uh, in, interesting landscape today for home baristas. And I was a uh, professional barista before I was a home barista. So, which basically means that I never had, I, I didn't really have very many pieces of coffee equipment at home. Yeah. <laughs> I work and I make espresso, which is a, a really a privileged position to be in, honestly. Yeah. But uh, ever since doing the podcast and kind of getting out from behind the bar in recent years, my coffee counter has gotten a little bit bigger. Yeah. And it's gotten smaller. So I think that's how it works.
1: (laughs) Something like that.
0: Yeah. And so I, um, I I originally, when I first got into coffee, actually I was drinking a lot of French press coffee, tons of it. Um, And you know, today I don't drink any today. I think my preferred brew method, there's, t- there's two specific ones and I, I do two kinds of pour overs and then it just, one is espresso. Okay. So I use a flare, um, okay. okay. pro at home to make espresso. And it is, uh, work. It works great for me. I, I like, I use a, um, baristas, uh, what do you call it? barista hustle, um, distribution tool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To, you know, get the grounds all stirred up. I you know spritz the beans before it goes into a niche zero grinder, uh, which was my my big boy purchase of of like last year. I was using an old grinder that um, I had. It was a great grinder. Baratza's last forever, and I I love that company so much. Um, and I just wanted something specific for espresso and to have. Now that I'm not working behind a bar anymore, I, I wanted to be in control of every aspect of my espresso. So the, uh, niche zero grinder was a game changer for that. And then, um, I just go almost always with blends at yeah. home. They kind of a medium roasted, maybe even more developed coffees for that old school espresso flavor, the fudgy chocolate, cherry, deeper fruit notes, that kind of stuff. Um, that's just my, History in coffee, so I always prefer that kind of espresso uh, rather than almost like the coffee shot espresso. But yeah. Really, this uh, you know bright. I personally just can't stomach bright espresso. Yeah. that well, uh, unless I'm really really prepared for it and it's an experience and I, I I don't know. But at home, if I'm it's a comfort drink, I prefer that espresso that you know people like David Schulmer would put out there. Yeah. Right the thick and chocolatey stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I do. And I, I love it. Um, I have a stag kettle sitting okay. next to it. And uh, that's my go-to for espresso. Basically I, I, I do about 18 and a half, 19 grams. And it's a, almost a one for one shot. Um, Sweet. And some sometimes closer to two for one, but it's, it's beautiful. It's got the flecking. It's got the, the, deep red, brown crema. I just love it. And I'm, I'm the kind of person who, if I've got, I, I like a white espresso cup, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if there, if it's messy on the top, I'll like wipe it off a little bit just so I can yeah. see the contrast better. And then I'll drink it, yeah. you know, go yeah. out back the sun of my eyes and I'll ground, like put the bare feet in the earth to get that, that charge, the energy of the right way. I don't I'm weird like that, but yeah, that's,
1: that's good that's, though. Well, let Good. me, let me stop you there. Cause there's so many things that we could talk about, um, with that. Um, so going through, so I have a flare, but it's an old flare. And for the one hundred one on out there, that is a, um, what I'd say, probably one of the cheapest ways that you can make an espresso at home and you actually pull the lever arm to get the pressure, you know, correct. Um, It can be a little messier to clean up everything um, afterwards compared to um, some of the other brewers that we'll probably talk about. Um, The niche, is that how you say it, or niche? Uh, Uh, I say it. Well, whatever you say, we're going to say that's correct. So between that and what Chris is talking about with the um, the fellow um, kettle, those are really hip. And cool um, looking things like to me the the niche or niche uh, grinder and this is gonna sound crazy but it looks like something you'd see in like that would be cool in a circus it's, it looks like somebody dressed up with a top hat on I don't know that's just <laughs> I don't know that's just what it looks like to me but, yeah but I love it I mean, I don't have one, but it looks really cool. I think fellow and um niche put out some of the some of the sleekest looking stuff, and I think the way that you're describing it matches everything that you're talking about. like you're looking it sounds like you like when you're doing an espresso at home, you're looking for part of that experience being just the the visual quality in front of you. You know, which includes wiping off the edges of the white cup and, you know, making sure you're grounded and all that stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's ceremonial because here's the thing is making coffee at home for me. And I think it's probably true for anyone, even if you're not a professional is uh, it's something that you get to control to a certain degree because so much of our day is about external uh, forces making us do things. And, and I say, we get to do things too. They, and don't get me wrong. I don't want to be negative here, but you know, once you start your day, you're, you're on a roll. And, uh, if you can yep. go move low and mindful, intentional and, and enjoy it deeply, I, I think that's what, what coffee is for.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, I would say the same and that, like it, that it's one of those to me, In the morning, it's a very quiet time that I have a little bit of control um, over my environment before, like, the day just unravels.
0: That's right. Yeah, and it's the quiet especially. Like, (laughs) I tell you, I don't know how many people do this, but there's a specific blanket I have in my house that has just the right amount of noise deadening capability if I'm able to get across my wood floor without waking my wife and son up, um, I'll wrap my grinder in that. I'll wow. find the blanket and I'll and I'll like I'll grind it. And I thought I think someone out there needs to invent some kind of a suitcase made of like down feathers or something, you know, ecologically friendly or something like deaden your grinder for the parents out there that just want that quiet moment in the morning by themselves in the kitchen.
1: Wow. So that that is like t- taking it like to another level. So I'll tell you what I do, as far as like that not waking everybody up thing, is I will cheat and I will grind my coffee the night before.
0: I, you know what? Me too.
1: <laughs> okay, so this so we're le- we're giving everybody our secrets.
0: It's okay though because you look at okay, for instance. Uh, Go get them tiger gmb coffee in la one of the things they did early on was they pre-ground doses of espresso for their coffee bar yeah now, these champion baristas well respected in the industry their coffee was still great and they had the audacity to challenge some kind of a, a a cardinal rule that you're supposed to grind fresh and you know to a degree there's there's something that you're gonna maybe you'll lack, but I mean, if I, if I'm grinding ahead of time, like you do, like I'll just, I'll grind it ahead. I'll, I'll, put, I will i do not know if this does anything. I'll just put something on top of the container mm. and then I'll seal it and I'll, uh, come back in the morning. Truly, truly like it. I'm not, I don't have a cupping sheet next to my cup of coffee in the morning. Uh, I just am looking for the moment. And so if it doesn't blow my hair back, uh, then I don't really need to worry about it too much. It's it's just that I have that coffee in that moment. Not that all of the notes are there. Yeah. Uh so that I don't know if that's a slippery slope, but for me it's worked.
1: <laughs> well, no, I no, I think it's great. And this is what um just just um kind of being on the honest side of the coffee industry is is so much fun. Because I was actually talking to um Guy named Patrick Rolf the other day, who is a barista champion for, I think it's. Uh, I'm not going to say because I don't want it. I don't want to get it wrong, and then him like you know, text me. Um, but he is a barista champion somewhere over on the other side of the world, and uh, he was saying that like he he grinds everything even for the shop like night before. He's like he just doesn't make. It doesn't make that much, if any, of a difference. And so, so yeah, so call us crazy. But for me and you, part of it is I'm trying not to wake up my kids. And then we've got a couple of um, small dogs in the house. And one of them is he's still like a puppy. And, uh, man, if he hears, like, he's, he's a verbal dog. And if he hears me up, then that's it. Like, I have totally lost you know, any sense of like a quiet, whatever.
0: Yeah. And the, I find that there has to be a plan B in terms of enjoyment. And this may be, maybe I'm too controlling or micromanaging around this, but if I, if people are getting up, I have a way to enjoy my coffee, even in the midst of, you know, people taking, okay, plan A's out. Yeah, I still have a position in my my emotions and my mind like I'm, I'm going to enjoy my coffee this way so it's like the, the family at the table way of enjoying it and then there's the like you know Chris with the under the under cabinet lights in the dark of the kitchen you know drinking coffee way of enjoying it Yeah, uh, or, or out in the backyard yeah so that's one way is the espresso and when i had my first good shot of espresso when I first got the flare and I made espresso on it and in, in, in maybe for some of your listeners who are, are not, you know, uh, coffee professionals, and I, I take it that's most of them, you know, um, the shots of espresso you get in a coffee shop are the lowest common denominator of excellence
1: because
0: mm. they are produced in mass. You go to a steakhouse, unless you're going to that, you know, that steakhouse, then most of the steaks are going to be like the same way. Now I make steak at home or make coffee at home. You're gonna probably make that coffee better on average yourself more often than a barista will at the typical coffee bar. Yeah. So I had I'm having these great shots of espresso, and the, the problem I'm having with it is I go to coffee shops now and I'm just like, dang.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Well, and another thing is like um honestly, again, being honest. Most of the espresso shots that you're going to get in a coffee shop, again, meeting the customers where they are, um, are not going to be just a straight-up, like, dopio, like, an, like a double-shot espresso. They're going to be in some other drink, and so you can hide a lot of that, um, I guess you'd say, inaccuracy.
0: Yeah, and and by dint of just time and feedback, I think... The coffee at the shop will eventually evolve to favor being doctored, being, you know, put in milk and, and you just know your audience. So when people order a straight shot of espresso, it's a good chance the baristas really haven't been dialing the coffee to taste great as a straight shot, even though when you dial coffee, you, that's what you're supposed to taste is that. Yeah. Um, but there's an allowance for, you know, a certain number of grams above and below. Um, And after which you, you really do have to trigger that dial in process. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you as a longtime barista, the common thing is to just kind of see how long you can go without having to dial it in because you're just survive your shift for a lot of them, you know, when it's super busy and you're tired. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so home espresso is, so home coffee in general is such an interesting time for coffee because you didn't used to have many other options. The first home espresso machine I had was Krups Mm -hmm. with a large, um, glass carafe with a long handle and it would fill up like three and a half ounces, four ounces of just brown liquid. I said, Hey, look, I'm making espresso (laughs) today. It's just
1: crazy. Yeah. It's a lot different. And so, so espresso, um, What else? Do you venture out at home or is it mostly just espresso?
0: Um, Mostly I'm using a a Kalita Wave, a steel Kalita Wave. Um, I forget the size. I think it's a 158, if I'm remembering correctly. So just a Kalita Wave with uh, my go-to ratio for that is I will do 20 grams and 300. So 20 grams in, 300 out. And you bloom it with at least two to three times these days, more like three times the amount of, so it's like 60 grams of, um, of water to bloom it and bring it up to about a hundred grams after that, after waiting for about 30 seconds to a minute. And then I'll just go up in hundreds, you know, with slowly, you know, making circles from, I started the inside and I make concentric circles burying each subsequent line uh so kind of overlapping each flow each uh stream of water um and i try not to like wash the sides too often even though you can technically do that because i want to limit the bypass um with with that but get right to 300 and that's it and i'll go lower than that too so it's a little bit between a 15 to 1 and a 16 to 1 but typically that's what i'm doing
1: yeah um, one other, thing, I go ahead, have. Sorry, go
0: ahead. One other thing, I have a cutout of a French press filter, a disc that I took scissors and cut out, and I put that at the bottom of my Kalita Wave under the filter, um, and that was something that Jonathan Gagne was telling me about uh, when he was on the show, um, it, because that bottom of that filter sucks to the metal, and so the flow gets restricted in the Kalitas. Um, and so that's mm. what I, I, I've thrown it out so many times I, I can't even count. Well, uh, but it, so
1: um, so that filter that you cut out from the French press, is that metal filter you're talking about?
0: Filter is metal, uh, so yeah. it just keeps flowing evenly from the filter down. Um, so the three holes at the bottom of the Kalita don't get kind of with the filter itself
1: yeah um question have you ever used um an april brewer
0: just got one actually so yeah th-
1: i think conceptually that's a i mean unless you unless uh unless i'm wrong i think that's conceptually similar in that the humps at the bottom are trying to help you prevent that from like kind of suctioning down like that.
0: It, it works pretty well. I was sent it by the fine folks over at uh, slow pour supply here. Yeah. At, at, and um, my first time brewing with it, I, I did notice that the filter pushed pretty tightly up against the bottom of that um, the brewer itself, which is normal. Um, it does flow a little bit better than the Kalita though. So I, I think that is working. The filters that come with the April are, I think maybe it's my imagination. They seem a little thinner mm. than standard Galita filters. So, um, I might still use that disc even in the April brewer. Um, another brewer that I've been using though is, uh, and this is just talking about flow is the Etkin brewer. So my friends, uh, Aaron O'Neill and Michael Butterworth started this company, uh, and uh, their friend uh, from Turkey, Özgür, uh, they formed this company. It's uh, really the concept is a large-scale, large-format portal for brewer. It's an eight-cup brewer made of Turkish porcelain, all sourced locally with, through these great relationships they have with manufacturing there in Turkey. And uh, I break that sucker out for family gatherings, and I use a, uh, um, what do you call it, mellow drip yeah. for nice extraction over the top of it works really great. And, um, it's got really good flow. So it flows quickly. And so I'm, um, I'm able to grind a little bit finer, yeah. um, get a better, even extraction. So it, they're coming out with a two cup version of it, which I'm eager to get also. Um, so those are kind of the three things I'm using. There's that Kalita, a little bit of that April recently. And then, um,
1: I'm looking at it right now and, and I was not aware of this dripper, but, um, it looks like it has a wide base. Um, and so I guess I'd be interested in seeing how that ultimately affects the, I guess the extraction, um, because you know, you've got, uh, and we had a episode, a couple of episodes, um, a few episodes back about the actual pour, talking with uh, Daniel Teplitz um, with Clatch Coffee, and um, he was uh, placed in Brewers Championship this last year, and we were talking about the different designs and how, um, say, like, for example, uh, Kalita right uh is... One thing it's trying to do is bring the water back to the inside of that that actual set of grinds to to optimize the extraction. And um, I don't know. I guess I'm just thinking out loud. I'd, I'd I'd be super interested to see or curious to hear from you um, how it looks like a pretty wide bed affects the extraction.
0: I mean if you're moving your water in an even fashion it's not going to unevenly extract the coffee in my experience yeah i've had cups from it and also the the thing about batch here's the thing about batch brewers and and large format brewers um when you're brewing a lot of coffee you get the thermal stability of the coffee's mass also right uh, so that's why when a batch brewer is really dialed in, you get a lot more consistent quality than you would at these little tiny um, pour overs. Um, it, it's just that it, there's a lot more consistency within the the basket as far as I understand it. So um, when you're brewing, when I'm, I'm grinding like 40, 42 grams of coffee at a time or more in the Atkin, um, and you can get a lot higher than that um, at, at a certain point, you know, if you take a half a second longer and one part than the other, uh, then it's not going to make that big of a difference versus something where you've got less uh, that you're working with. Um, and so, with a two-cut brewer that they're coming out with, I think you know it's still going to be the same thing, which you know just a smaller format. Um, so I'm either, I'm not going to I don't know how that works quite yet, but the thing I like about this brewer too is that it's got these holes underneath it because it's double walled. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you turn it over, there's these three holes. I'll fill up the uh, cavity of that uh, air gap with water, hot water to preheat it. Mm. So I don't need a kind of preheating or filter rinsing because it's just using a, a typical bun um, batch brew filter Yeah, because it's do so. So it's like this dry preheat, uh, basically, because it's all internal. So, yeah, it, I, I enjoy it and um, got my little tricks, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to have to check it out. So we will say for Chris, his kind of secret go-to's at home are the Flare for Espresso, and then he said Kalita Um, He's more recently trying out the April and the Etkin, which we will all have to try out. Um, And I'll tell you real quickly, uh, my probably top two go-tos are um, an AeroPress and a Clever. So two things that are different than any of the ones that that you said. Well, full full
0: immersion coffees.
1: Yeah. Yep, so the uh and I guess I didn't even think about that until you just said it, but you're right. Um I would say a close third is probably um some kind of pour over. I, I probably evenly do a Hario V60 and a Kalita Wave. Um But yeah, I would say I have gotten on this kick where I I really like um it's like an 18. It's a pretty pretty strong, but ratio, but I really like it, Um, and it cools off quickly um, so that, you know, I can drink it quickly. Uh, It's like a 18-gram to 150-gram coffee-to-water ratio for AeroPress, Um, Mm. and I really like that, especially if, like you and I have talked before about um, me doing competition coffee. I found that a stronger ratio a lot of times on that spectrum from drip all the way down to espresso really helps me delineate little nuances in um, the flavor profile, um, which then I can kind of then back out to, you know, drip like the, the 15 to 1 or 16 to 1 um, ratio. Anyway, um, so that's probably my, my biggest go-to. And then my second is... Um, clever. And I just like, I guess part of it for me in the morning for either of those is the simplicity. Um, I mean, I, I don't have to think that much, um, and I can just do it and it makes a good cup of coffee and that's that.
0: That, yeah, I've, I love that. And the clever is really good at that, you know? Um, and interestingly enough, it's also this plastic brewer that, you know, when you look at brewers, uh, Pete Licata uh, came out with a book about optimizing your coffee. I forget the the title of it. I'll find it here quickly. But um, based on his studies, the best performing for heat retention is plastic.
1: That's crazy. He's, like I would have said ceramic or something.
0: And it's prettier. You know, It's yeah. it's and um, his book was called, <laughs> what is it called here? Uh, he is on the show actually talking about it, but. Um, He's
1: probably listening right now.
0: So he said, how to get the best from your coffee. It's a book about brewing po- coffee by Pete Licata. So, um, who's a former world barista champion. And um, yeah, and, and so personally though, you know, I I hate plastic. Um, I don't Try I, I try to I like I don't use a microwave we don't use Teflon I have uh, a Berkey filter in my head. you know there's all sorts of crunchy stuff in our house and so I I tend to go more towards the, the metal and ceramic myself.
1: Stick with us I'm Kenneth Thomas and this is Coffee 101 brought to you by Humble Coffee. Okay speaking of humble coffee. You need coffee, and so if you need coffee, and like let's say as a bonus, you want really, really good coffee that's single origin and that is selected specifically to optimize for taste quality and health benefits and roasted to perfection by a lead roaster who also has an undergraduate in chemical engineering, so knows a little bit about heat transfer and all that crazy stuff. Then look no further than Humble Coffee. Go to their website, humblecoffee.com. Try a bag if you're not sure what to get. Try a sampler. And if you don't want to go to humblecoffee.com, you can just click on it in the show notes. How cool is that? All right, let's get back to the show with Christopherio. This is this is fun getting to know like uh, like uh, your your little what I would call quirks and uh, you, you get to know the real uh, me so this is this is fun and this is good, but I'm still hold on now I'm still thinking on this so you don't use a microwave at all, no. So like what if you want to make popcorn?
0: You use a uh, pot. To... <laughs> okay. So we have a popcorn popper. This is an air popper. And yeah, you know, what some of your audience might use for a uh, uh, coffee roaster? Yeah, just funded.
1: So okay, so what, is it is it the plastic with the microwave, or is it just that? What is it? What is it about the microwave? I'm just I'm super curious here.
0: Study uh, exactly, but um, it was done probably decades ago. And it's a pretty reputable study, to, you know, comparing um, infants who were fed on breast milk that was warmed over a fire, you know, just low heat uh, versus infants who were fed on breast milk that was um, heated in a microwave. Yeah, The infants that were fed on the microwave milk uh, were becoming malnourished versus the ones that were heated up just through the, uh, you know regular heat on the stove. There's something that happens molecularly with microwaves that disturbs the integrity and the absorption of the food, uh, the good stuff in the food. Like we don't do food dyes in our house and we don't, we not very much grains or refined sugars. And so we're, we're pretty, uh, (laughs) was it anti-establishment or like I said, crunchy in that way that.
1: Well, but I think, I, I, am going to say, I think it's good. So I'll, I'll throw in my two cents here. Um, one thing, if you haven't read him before, um, and I'd recommend this to our coffee, one of the out there, um, even though he's a little crunchy, um, is there's a guy named Wendell Berry. Um, do you know him? He,
0: he, he lives probably about, uh, an hour from here.
1: Okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Wendell Berry. And Wendell Berry is kind of a, like, let's just be content to use what the land gives us and be as close to um, uh, not overtaking, you know, or, or taking too big of a step, I guess I'd say, than what needs to be taken. He's huge on, like, land preservation but um he would fall in line with a lot of the stuff that you're saying too and i'm a big fan of his and and even um i guess the crunchy part of uh me and humble coffee is that like for example our roasting facility and our headquarters is in an industrially zoned area but what we have done is we only used about 20% of the piece of property that we own to put, you know, the building in parking lots Um, and the rest we kept as like fully mature trees in the middle of an industrially zoned area in Mississippi, which is not known as well for conservation because we thought you can produce something and produce it well, um, But also it be, I would say, delightful and um, respectful of the environment and stuff like that.
0: You know, we did a sustainability series on the show, and I appreciate that you're kind of vibing with that. You know, I I kind of I felt like you were just on my show and, you know, talk about the health aspects. And there's, you know, once you go down that rabbit hole, I think you get in the right channels of, of, of thoughts and all that it's kind of like coffee. You're just like, Oh, 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 and that, and that, and you just kind of like tweak your, your lifestyle. Continuum. Um, but, uh, we had a sustainability series, which was the only kind of narrative thing I've ever done on the show. Um, in terms of podcast style, but we interviewed someone down at, um, FAF Brazil, um, Marco Croce and, uh, his family run, FAF, uh, FAF Brazil. And it's basically this um, their farm is made, uh, it, they represent their own farm, but also many other smallholder farms around them. Um, but they are huge into pre- like land restoration, organic. They're organic pioneers and uh, the biodiversity of their land. Uh, they do a lot of ecotourism on their land yeah. to also with income. But Uh, Marco is just really crazy for that and it it sounded like a paradise the bees the regenerative farming practices like the and this is something that's encouraging because I think a lot of young people are really getting into that today even you know in urban areas and in in America and not just in traditional agrarian um, communities and so anyway that's kind of a tangent but I I, say yes I mean
1: you know another um and we'll get back on our actual like show notes here in a second. But another um, person that I think you should probably um, interview um, for your show is there's a shop owner named John Lawrence with Mudhouse Coffee Roasters in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, they have won like I think Micro Roaster of the Year um, before. But anyway, they're, they're huge in, um, like all the stuff that we're talking about. So they probably, I'm going to say five years ago, bought a farm in Panama and, and they're growing everything organically. They're using all the like organic, um, ways to deter pests and, you know, stuff like that. And it's working. Um, so what they're doing is working. So, um. Yeah, there's people out there trying it.
0: That's right. And uh, it, it's, you can do a lot with what you have. And that was one of the takeaways from the sustainability series was that the the major problem that we have, and maybe this is, you know, to, to segue back into, you know, coffee and, and home brewing, is it's an intimidating world of, of resources out there. Um, and it's hard to know where to start. And that's a, of a it's, it's either a sign that you should start or it's an omen that you shouldn't yeah uh, for a lot of people that's an omen and they don't get started or the coffee shop doesn't try to become a little bit more responsible with its practices or you know or they're just going to keep doing what we're doing it's better better to have the familiar dysfunction than the unfamiliar and risk of of something better with the pain of of getting there and well, so
1: but the thing is yes and I think this is probably in light with what you would also say is like the easiest road is not necessarily the best road.
0: Hmm.
1: You know? And so like, just because, um, it's the way everybody does it. And, um, and, and it has the lowest threshold as far as resistance does not necessarily mean that it's the best way. And you could, we could, we could generalize that to coffee. We could generalize that to crop production across the world we could generalize that to um you know warming something by a fire versus a microwave all that stuff
0: in and this is something you mentioned on my show which is that all the little bits and pieces of of decisions that you make throughout your life will eventually create the end product of what you're experiencing right now um so if you're a coffee house or, or something like that like I have a client in Omaha, uh, they're it's Myrtle and Cypress, Myrtle and Cypress Coffee House, and their thing is definitely on the natural food and natural ingredients type of thing. Have like like and date syrup sweeteners and maple syrup and honey, that kind of thing. Because um, they want they want to contribute to the well being of people, of course, with great coffee that they roast, but also with the stuff that they give you to put in the coffee. So I I always love that kind of holistic view of what you do because you can inspire something, you know, that will truly help people thrive down the road or, you know, or not. And even if I'm playing home barista, I always, I don't have to have my in-laws like my in-laws were here for mother's day this weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm making them great coffee. They don't have to, you know, check the boxes of, you know, making me think they know coffee. It's just a pleasure to give them something that I know the backstory of that's good and will serve them and I can be satisfied with that. That's kind of like at-home hospitality and that's a holistic way to view that too.
1: Yeah, and I think with that what you're saying is that you get joy out of serving them, you know, and you're not looking at it as a, I want them to know my accolades, and I want them to know that I'm that I did the best job for the fill in the blank, and, and this fill in the blank is a cup of coffee. Like, you're just looking to serve them, and if people, whether you work in finance or in coffee, or you work in uh, the shipping industry, like if if you can figure out a way to have joy in serving people, then you're going to like your job better and everybody you serve is going to like it better.
0: And you don't have to be a professional server to do that. Like if you are just a conscientious human being as a customer, if you're at the checkout lane of a grocery store yeah, and you and yourself in empathy to the person who is dealing, could you imagine for, I mean, like swiping chips all day long? I mean, seriously, yep. anyone who, it's, it's not the most soul satisfying work. The same thing goes for the, you know, Starbucks baristas at O'Hare, you know, international airport in Chicago or wherever. And I am just as guilty. Like, uh, you know, when I'm going and traveling to, you know, be in my funk and be like, I'm going to say what I need to say to get what I need to get that kind of thing, you know, but there are moments and flashes of, of empathy. <laughs> You know, where we need to, you know, exercise that muscle to say, how can I, you know, the way I see it, like, how can I minister to this person? Yeah. How can I, how can I give them something that is outside of the realm of the ordinary and the oppressive Yeah, that something to think about afterwards it is weird or awkward as it is it, to have somebody be super pleasant to you or just say something kind, um, i think people
1: people are dying for other people to just be pleasant to them um you know just as an example what i do like if i go to a gas station um in my head when i go to check out um i I, i've got like my one or two or three like go-to questions that i know that they have to think to answer and i know it's probably going to make them smile like i'll do little stuff like i'll say how many times a day do you think you say, you know, welcome to Sprint Mart or you know something like that and they're like, "Ooh, lord, let me think about it." You know, and like they'll, you know, and it just yeah. I mean, because otherwise like you said, they're just swiping that thing and they're saying, "Is there anything else I can get for you?" You know, and like they say that 17,000 times a day.
0: Yeah, and you create that moment. I mean, full circle back to the idea of what you do for yourself in the morning. You drink a cup of coffee. You just want that cup of coffee to to touch your soul and you know, you want maybe that coffee to is is like this the surrogate for what we want our relationships to be like. You I think know, that's
1: genius, yep. I think you're right. I think that's what we're looking for, is we're looking for interaction that um you know, yeah, it's just kind of touches and uh, and is empathetic. Um so that was a fantastic side trail, but let's get back. Let's get back. Otherwise, we're just gonna keep going for like seven hours here. Um okay, I got a couple more questions before I let you go. Um, on the road, what is your go to brewer? Or do you just cheat and go to the gas station or get the cake up that's in the hotel?
0: Yeah, so I, I used to be such a, a, a snob in coffee and, and I think I used to like travel with coffee to try to brew in the airport myself. And I'm it, oh, just, and I started like looking at myself from an outside perspective, like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> you're addicted to caffeine, Chris. I mean, just admit it. And yeah. this is not this euphoric experience. In fact, I have this way of viewing inconvenience now, and in my older years, I guess. Um, just think about how much better it's going to be to have a good cup of coffee after all this bad coffee. And so I'm just okay. like, I'm opportunity by going to Starbucks and getting, uh, like a, a, a single or a double shot of the Pikes place blend through their super auto machine. And it tastes like the beginning of my coffee journey. You know, it tastes like those places tastes like Gloria jeans. It tastes like, you know, all those places. And for me, it's a memory experience that's caffeinated. It's a caffeinated memory lane thing. It's not a a culinary experience. Um, I'll I'll travel with some instant coffee too. Sometimes you know, like the specialty instant you can get, like Swift Cup. Yes, I said.
1: What what kind? So you said Swift, and what else?
0: Swift Cup, or whoever's uh, got their brand of of coffee. So usually, it'll. I I find myself uh, at Swift Cup. and then oh, what was that other one that oh, I think a lot of people use this one. It, it's kind of, it's not in this cigarette look packet looking thing. It's more of a box, like a jewelry box. Well, anyway, like everyone's branding their own instance. So if I've got some of it stashed somewhere, um, that'll be a, a step up. Um, also the K cups in the hotel, you know, I have used those. I will open that pack and I'll just get a little bit. I'll I'll, I'll drink like three or four ounces of that to wake up, get a lift and go to a coffee shop and have
1: coffee. Yeah. Okay. So I like it. So you use some of your experiences on the road to then what I would call bring you back to what you and I would consider good coffee. Um, And I would say I probably do the same sometimes. I don't know that I would have been able to verbalize it that clearly, but um, I would say sometimes, honestly, I'm just drinking whatever's there just to get the caffeine. But sometimes it is really pretty terrible. Um, I have also done crazy things before on the road, like when I forgot, no, I didn't forget my AeroPress filters, um, but the clean-in crew had thrown them away after my first night there um, because they thought they were trash. And uh, so I disassembled the little frack pack, um, you know, coffee that I had in the room, and I used that as my filter for my air press. Um, didn't make the great, the best air press, but still made a good one. Um Let's see, what else? Uh, I'm not past getting gas station coffee and putting a couple of solid shots of, like, amaretto or French vanilla in there. Um, And I definitely go, I'm always, whether I'm just straight-up cold, like, ordering online or wherever I go, just tasting um, everybody's coffee. Like, I want to know, like, like how are people roasting things um and especially like i have like my go-tos of i know that um steve at black oak um coffee roasters in on the west coast is a phenomenal roaster and i know or i know that the guys at and girls at like onyx you know coffee lab um are roasting correctly and so anyway so, whether it's on the road and I'm in a city where I want to try two or three specialty shops or I just order and I take it with me, um, you know, I've also gotten on a kick where I really kind of like you enjoy the when I can find it, the instant um specialty coffee, and I find it actually pretty good um and i'm 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 gonna put myself out there and say that I think I find it really good. Uh, or I I enjoy it, and uh, I've also got on a kick recently where I am enjoying exploring uh, Cometeer, or, you know, like the little frozen concentrate, Um, and so that's another one that I've been, you know, playing around with.
0: Interesting, yeah. Uh, there There is an interesting conversation there about, you know, convenience and, you know, accessibility and um, what, what's jumping the shark when it comes to, uh, you know, ec- what I would call excessive accessibility or, or just like, you know, is at the bleeding edge for me of, of what, uh, is, is necessary to enjoy a good cup of coffee. It's kind of the Jurassic park just cause you can, doesn't mean you should. Well, uh, I tell you,
1: this is, this is my theory on it is, um, I think it's too expensive to order. Um, because you have to, it has to be shipped on dry ice, and, you know, that's just whatever. Um, it's just a little too much. Um, but what, honestly, we want to do, so with, the, with Humble HQ or our headquarters, um, we serve a local community, even though we are a location-independent coffee company. And I do think it's something that you can do locally where somebody can, if they're there in the shop, um, they can take home just like they would ice cream, you know, they can take home, um, you know, some of those little frozen packets. Um, and it's not that big a deal. Whereas if they're shipping from New York to get to me in Mississippi over dry ice, like, I don't know, that's a little much.
0: Yeah. It's just conflicting messaging and, and just the way I see it now, you know, maybe in time I could be wrong, but, uh, i I've, I've I tend to feel strongly about things when I feel them.
1: <laughs> well, so like you, like when you and I on the, on your podcast, um, that came out last week, um, uh, where you and I were talking, um, you know, you commented on, um, you know, humble coffee doesn't look gimmicky, although you do talk about health. Uh, I think that's, that's where I'm kind of like you. I think my flag gets raised when something looks a little gimmicky and it can and commentary can look a little gimmicky.
0: The o- overwrought claims. And I think that's not just them. It's just anybody who wants to gain market share in an overly saturated media environment has to in, in essence demonize what is probably the most simple way of enjoying coffee to make people feel like they're missing out and then solve that non-existent problem for them. Yeah. You have a queen that puts hot water on top of coffee. That's as much as you pretty, that's pretty much all you need. And the rest is just your imagination giving you an excuse to buy more stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Well, listen, Chris, it was fabulous to have you on the show. And, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that talk and, uh, tell us, where they can find you in the podcasting world and in the coffee consulting world.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Kenneth. It was great. Great chat. Um, Yeah. You can find me just on Instagram at keys to the shop. The website is keystotheshop.com and um, the podcast keys to the shop is focused on you know, coffee shops and operations and barista stuff and ownership. And, and so it's, you know, kind of uh, a deep dive into those topics. You could find that in pretty much all the places that podcasts are uh, available, you know, go-tos like Apple podcasts and Spotify and et cetera. And um, yeah, my recommendation is as opposed to yours, which is chronological, mine is, is not. (laughs) So there's, over 700, uh, published episodes out right now. So I would say topic search, pick and choose what you think is the most fascinating, um, in roasting or, or stories of entrepreneurs on founder Fridays. We've got some 10 minute episodes on uh, Thursdays called shift breaks. Those are kind of like hors d'oeuvres of, of podcasting. So yeah, uh, I hope that y'all would subscribe and, you know, reach out to me if you have any questions.
1: Yep. And they can find you in all those places, and we'll put those links in the show notes. And they can also, am I correct? They can email Chris at keys to the shop.com. Is that right?
0: The shop.com. C H R I S. Yep.
1: All right. Pleasure to have you. See you, Chris. Thanks, Kenneth. Okay. So that was cool. And we learned a little bit, not just about Chris's. Coffee game, but about Chris. Yeah. And, um, you know, we got into this kind of, I don't know, I'd call it like a zen moment Uh in the show itself or the interview itself where I think the two of us just kind of lost track of time and we were just sitting there just chatting it up about the environment. Those are always the best conversations, honestly. Yeah, like I was like, uh, you remember, I know you do, last week when... We um didn't record accidentally the yeah, intro outro. That was a day. Well, when we were when we were like um like in the zone on this one, I was like, Oh man. I was like, This has to be, you know, recorded and it was uh-huh. and so that was good. Okay. Yep. And um so he uh I think you know, I think I found a fast friend in uh Chris. I think he's a good guy and I think uh we um uh, just kind of have a lot of the same, um, I guess you'd say, like core beliefs or values, yeah, um, and so it's good to have people like that out yeah. there in the, in whatever industry you're in, um, uh, you know, just to kind of socialize with and, and have to kind of ping stuff off of. Mm-hmm. So that's all we have today. Thank you, Coffee 101-ers. And uh, do as you always, I know do, and give us a rating. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We read every single comments on the ratings. And so some of it makes us blush, and some of it we write down to make sure that we use the suggestions you have for future episodes. So we thank you. So for me and for Katie and for Christopherio, our special guest today. Peace out. Love y'all.